Battery bill. Battery bill. For cameras, computers, cars, or scooters. For trucks, boats, jet skis, remotes. Battery bill. Battery bill. How's it going, everybody? It is episode 69 here on Hawaii Football Now. Jordan Helley, Hunter Hughes back with you. We got our guy, Jaron Kobashigawa, on the controls. As always, it is Wednesday, December 21st. Uh, we are set to release this on December 22nd. It is also our, I guess you could say, Christmas episode, right? Uh, final time, we'll get a chance to talk story with you before <clears throat> we Merry head Christmas, Jordan. into the Christmas holidays. Merry Christmas to you as well. I know you are um, in increasingly cold Oklahoma, oh, yes. uh, where a uh, winter storm is rolling through. We had our own winter storm over the last few days. Uh, so our episode was sort of recorded in 18 parts, I feel like. Uh, we recorded a little bit at the end of last week, a little offensive recap, which we've got coming up here in part one um i was over on oahu jaron's neck of the woods i was traveling with the the baldwin boys basketball team we were playing in the iolani classic i, I help out as one of the assistants there um i went over a little bit early thankfully because the team actually was delayed for six hours on saturday that was before mm -hmm. the storm even got there um and trying to get back today was a nightmare as um but let me let me backtrack a little bit because i know that wasn't even close to folks flying on monday and tuesday uh and, and so you know if if you were kind of caught in that uh kudos to you and, and i know all the workers are are doing the best they can to, to help out and, and everybody was trying to you know show a little bit of aloha at the airport but um so i was trying to follow along with the signing day news because it is the beginning of the early signing period today uh and we will have that coming up in segment number two in our second half of this episode i know hunter was able to follow it a little bit closer so we'll get some instant reaction to that um here in just a second um but did want to mahalo everybody for all of the holiday love kind of going around town and then also thank you to everybody who has hit us up on social media um with topic suggestions with with some of the recruiting questions as well because obviously that is a huge topic of conversation right now Big deal. Uh, and we will get to that next week we'll, we'll go much deeper in the signing day and, and where all of these recruits are sort of landing and who who exactly is coming to the University of Hawaii. But again, we'll have a, a pretty quick instant reaction in the second half of our pod here today. But uh, yeah, Hunter, uh, happy holidays to you and your family. I know you're getting to spend some some quality time. Uh, you'll be maybe in a bluff someplace here pretty soon. Oh, yeah. uh, but uh, most important, stay warm out there, my friend. Yeah, we have a historic cold front uh, sweeping across the uh, the Great Plains as we speak right now. Uh, by the time this episode airs tomorrow morning, it will be on top of me while I'm uh, duck hunting. <laughs> it's kind of a Christmas tradition with uh, me and my dad, my two brothers. Um, we get out there and try to uh, provide for Christmas dinner, if you will. So uh, try, try our luck out there. But it's... Uh, I've got plenty of hand and foot warmers. Hawaii has not been kind to me with my cold acclimation. So uh, it's kind of softened me up a little bit. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes tomorrow. But uh, yeah, you guys stay safe over there, man. I've heard some crazy stuff about flights yeah. and um, the rain, the wind. So uh, um, yeah, aloha. And uh, yeah, everybody just stay safe back home, man. Um, yeah, during the holidays. But yeah, that's the main thing. That's the main thing. Everybody stay safe. 
Uh, it seems like the eastern part of the state got it a little bit worse um, than some of the other areas around the islands. I know here on Maui, uh, the winds in particular uh, kind of wreaked havoc, especially on Monday, a little bit yesterday as well on Tuesday. Uh, again, mm -hmm. we record this later on Wednesday, the signing day buzz has kind of settled down a little bit, able to digest that. And we got that coming up in the second half of today's podcast. Big mahalo to Spectrum Mobile, Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union, and Battery Bill, as always, for sponsoring this portion of the pod. And a reminder that Hawaii Football Now brought to you by Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union, Hawaii's largest credit union. They are committed to serving individuals and businesses through its 14 branch locations statewide and convenient digital banking services. As a leader in providing support for the islands, Hawaii USA is committed to strengthening Hawaii's financial wellness and sharing successes with members, local businesses, and the greater community. Visit HawaiiUSAFCU.com. All right, first half here on the other side of our little opening segment, we will have our little offensive review. Last week, we had our defensive review. It was fun to talk with Leonard Lee as well. Got some good feedback on our conversation with Leonard, who's looking to get into the coaching ranks. Pretty fun there. So we will have our offensive recap. And then in the second half, we are looking forward to breaking down a little bit of the signing day news as well. First half, here we go. All right, game time here on episode 69. We did the defense last week. We'll dive into the offense this week. Um, Hunter, we got a lot of recruiting news to get to as well. Big signing day. Um, your overall thoughts on the offense in 2022 uh, here, year one. Timmy Chang, new offense coordinator, obviously Ian Shoemaker, uh, Braden Shager taking over the starting job uh, full-time really for the first time. Uh, and it didn't really happen right away either, uh, but closing out the season. But overall, your thoughts? Overall thought at the beginning was disappointing. But then in hindsight now, with everything that has transpired, it was to be expected. I felt like we couldn't help but have – some unrealistically higher expectations with uh, Coach Timmy coming into the program. Anybody affiliated with the glory days, whatever you consider the glory days, um, being at the helm of University of Hawaii gets us as the fan base, the media riled up on what could be, um, especially with where we were at at the end of last year. It's like a return to glory. What could come with all of this? brings in a coach from Eastern Washington, an offensive genius, tons of potential for what could happen. And then it just kind of falls dead. Um, that's what it felt like from our offense this year. Um, I know we'll dig into a bunch more of the specifics right there, but um, it was disappointing, Jordan. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. I, I don't think it was good enough. Uh, I think they realize that. I don't think this is like some sort of damning, you know, revealing indictment or anything no. like that. They they know that it has to be it. better. Yeah. Uh, and I think we saw that throughout the season, right? Trying to add wrinkles that resembled more run and shoot. They tried to to um, evolve offensively to varying degrees of success. I think injuries were a huge part of that, particularly in the receiving core. And when you saw this group kind of closer to full strength when Zion Bowens first came back when you could get guys like Kuali Nishigaya out there with a little more consistency the mm -hmm. offense looked better like it did right and and so part of it is personnel <laughs> not necessarily scheme uh I think the the biggest disappointment outside of the the, the scoring right they averaged 19.8 points per game on the season this, this is not good right 
uh, 21.3 points per game in Mountain West play. They were better in Mountain West play. You compare that to last season where they averaged over 28 points per game, um, where it was actually down in Mountain West Conference play. They averaged 25 per game in Mountain West Conference play. It's just that it, it, it seemed like they were ever, you know, kind of constantly caught between two minds, three minds. Okay, what do we want this offense to be? Are we going to be a run first, ride Diedrich Parson? Is it going to be a pounding away offense? Are we going to trust the quarterback, whoever that ultimately was going to be and ended up being Brady and Shager? Are we going to trust him? to open up the passing game a little bit more. We're going to be a little more aggressive, particularly vertically. We saw that at times, and then we didn't see it at times. And so it was just a lot of mixed bag in terms of results, but also in terms of, I think, approach and how they wanted to go about attacking teams. And I think if they can, over the course of the offseason, I know a lot of that had to do with the late hire, the the you know the, the uncertainty of who was going to be the guy, bringing in multiple power five transfers at quarterback, whether it was Joey Yellen or Cam Cooper to compete with Braden Shager. And then you had other guys on this, you know, right. It was a five man competition for a pretty big chunk of the off season. Like yeah. they, they just could never quite settle on how this offense was going to look and who exactly was going to be the orchestrator. And I think if they can do that now with a full off season, a chance to recruit to what they want it to be a chance to, to really kind of dive into the the specifics the philosophy of it all that would just bring them a long way it's like hey this is okay this is what we're going to do now right i think it's just all of the elements that went around with it um it was just unsure and so that resulted in an inconsistent offense and one that didn't consistently enough put together drives and, and obviously the name of the game is to put up points uh and i think you know a season of 13 games where eight games of those 13 they scored 20 or fewer points they had just three games where they scored more than 30 points they only averaged 343 yards of offense per game uh overall they barely threw for 200 yards a game they ran for 137 right which is pretty respectable um but when you're only throwing for 200 that's that doesn't add up to a whole lot they only had 29 total touchdowns in in 13 games right so that's that's less than you know two and a half touchdowns a game. Um, and that's how you end up averaging 19.8 points per game. Turnovers, there were minus eight in turnovers. And that has to do with the defense not taking the ball away as well. They had 20 total turnovers. They were less than 35% on third down. They were 53% on fourth down. Eh, not too bad. Uh, they av- they allowed 17 sacks, which isn't too bad, right? And again, they, the offense, the line was part of the strength of this team. And so it's just, they. I, I think if they could just settle on what they want to do, figure that out and then go from there recruit to that plan for that prepare for that hopefully it's the run shoot yeah kind of whispering that underneath everything right or at least something that looks like it yeah we um you know we mentioned it a few times being down there on the sideline it felt insecure at times and insecure offensive play calling comes from not really knowing what you want to accomplish it's what what are, what do we have? Who are we? What are we going about? Do you know what are we trying to do here? It results in some insecure um, play calling. That was, I think, a, a fair um, sentiment on what we saw from um, the play calling. I, I had a great conversation this last week with a former UH quarterback Drew Brown, just on 
some observations that he was watching of us um, this past season. And much like whenever Rolo first came in, Timmy's adopted a kind of um, uh, a hybrid style of an offense with a little bit of an RPO, a little bit of run and shoot contest. We started seeing it towards the end, taking that hitch right off the bat, um, getting the ball down the field. But then also you're you're forced to kind of use the guys that you have at your disposal. Um, what's his name? Uh, uh, our, our previous coach, Graham, had a bunch of tight ends that he recruited to come here. You You can't really use those guys in the run and shoot concept, and yet they're great athletes. We need to have them on the field. Um, Caleb Williams was one of our, I mean, sorry, Caleb Phillips, (laughs) different Caleb, uh, complete vital part of our offense. Um, first team tight end in the, uh, in the mountain West. Um, and so these, uh, Timmy was trying his best with the cards that he was dealt this year on a very short, um, timeframe too. I might add, we, we keep on talking about that. I don't mind continuing to bring it up because it's an important part of our story from this last year. And uh, I'm with you, Jordan. There's a, there's, there's a word in the Bible that says uh, where there's no vision, the people fail. And so similarly in this next year, I would love for us to have some sort of a more clear cut vision than what we had. We started the year kind of adopting this RPO ish type of an offense without the ability of our quarterback to run the football. You're going to put your offensive line, primarily your tackles, in a heck of a position trying to have them, you know, guard a a shooting defensive tackle around the edge without any fear of the quarterback taking off around the outside. They're going to come right around and grab that running back every single time. So um, I don't really put that on coaching. I put that on personnel. I put that on us not uh, having a dual threat quarterback with the capability to uh, run our offense. And that just comes with recruiting and maybe something on our menu that that we need to go grab. Um, So yeah, those are just some, some, uh, some broad ideas that I have about our offense. Yeah. And I think, you know, obviously there was a lot, there were a lot of folks frustrated with the offense last year, right? Um, it was a, a more productive offense. We already talked about the scoring last year. They, they, they put up more yards. They, they threw for more yards. They ran for more yards. They scored more touchdowns. The only places where this year there was an improvement was in terms of total turnovers, uh, third down and fourth down conversion success rate were better this season. They obviously allowed fewer sacks this year, allowed 27 total last year. Uh, but I think part of that frustration last year was with, the the talent level it was far too feast or famine right last season there were a ton of games where they didn't score much at all there were a handful of games where they scored a ton of points and so it was like you know where why why is the the swing so dramatic this year I think it was just sort of consistently not quite there um but when it comes to personnel as you mentioned right that that changes expectations and you mentioned really it's kind of interesting because 2022 obviously now is the the third straight year where Hawaii has averaged less than 30 points right they averaged 27.3 last year they averaged um 26.2 in 2020 uh and that's after two years of Hawaii finishing top 50 in the country in terms of scoring offense right over 30 points in 2018 and 2019 but those two years came after not great years 
to start the Rolo era, as you point out, right? The first year of Rolo, they go six, you guys go six and seven, uh, get to the bowl game. They average 28.3 points per game. 2017, they averaged 22.8 points per game. That's not great. And so it's a process, no doubt about it. Um, but, you know, a stretch of three years where Hawaii's averaging basically under 27, 28 points per game, that's that's not a good track record, right? So it's like, okay, they got to figure out something to take a step, step forward. So we'll see how that all goes um, as we'll, uh, we'll get to the individual numbers here in a second as well, looking at some of the individual standouts. Dedrick Parson, obviously the feature back. He led the team in rushing 830 yards, 11 touchdowns, uh, 4.4 yards per carry. Tylen Hines, I think, was the revelation. We kind of knew about Dedrick. We had him on the pod last week, if you haven't heard it, or uh, two weeks ago, I should say. If you haven't listened to it, go back and find it. Great interview. Uh, Tylen Hines, 634 yards, 7.6 yards per carry. Tylen Hines, just two touchdowns, but that big one, remember, at the big house against Michigan. Najee Bryant Lele also ran for 245 yards. He was Kind of a nice luxury is the third back, 4.4 yards per carry, three touchdowns. You had Jordan Johnson in there as well, um, who played a little bit early, showed a lot of explosiveness. Hopefully he is a guy that um, can can be part of the mix as well for this group going forward. Um, Receiving-wise, obviously, for the University of Hawaii, Zion Bowens, even though he only played nine games, was actually the number one receiver still, 35 catches, 494 yards. Nobody put up eye-popping numbers. Um, nobody with more than uh, 10 catches averaged more than 14 yards per catch. Um, nobody caught more than 31 balls on the team this year outside of Zion Bowens. Uh, it was a, There were a ton of guys who caught balls. Nobody put up eye-popping numbers. Jalen Walthall, who only played 11 of the 13 games, is actually the number two receiver in terms of yardage. Uh, number two receiver in terms of total catches is Caleb Phillips, who was a first-team All-Mountain West Conference tight end. Go figure. Uh, Jonah Pinocchio, Dior Scott rounds out the top five receivers. And Deidre Parson was actually the third-leading receiver in terms of yardage and number of receptions. Uh, excuse me, in terms of number of receptions, but he was the sixth-leading receiver in terms of yardage. He was a huge part of the offense and so you know Braden Shager interesting numbers for this group as he completed 55.3 percent of his passes threw it 400 times threw for 2348 yards averaged under 200 yards per game 195.7 yards per game 13 touchdowns 10 interceptions okay uh Joey Yellen the other guy who really threw passes for this team 40 of 87 had a couple of starts if you remember 46% completion percentage, 324 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions. And so kind of goes to what we were talking about here just a second ago, right? In, in an offense that wasn't quite sure exactly how they wanted to go. The running game, the running backs were clearly the MVPs of the offense. Braden Shager, I thought, got better as the season gone on. Much like the defense, it wasn't linear. Um, the UNLV game, particularly the second half, I thought he looked as good as we have seen at any point. He threw the ball pretty darn well in the second half, particularly of the San Jose State game. The first half of the San Jose State game, I didn't think he was bad. He had a ton of drops. That didn't help his cause. Uh, but I thought towards the end of the season, he was playing his best football, which I think, I hope, is encouraging going into the offseason. Yeah, and you know, we, we started to see some exciting things towards the end uh mainly getting guys like tylen hines 
into the passing game, even with, you know, just little check downs in the flat, you get the ball in playmakers hands and you see what happens. Um, I would love to see him incorporated in our passing attack a little bit more next season. Um, especially with, uh, you know, the loss of uh, Dedrick Parsons. And we've got a couple other um, guys coming back uh, to help with this running attack. We may not need Tylen Hines to be that um, three-down lineman. I mean, three-down running back that we kind of relied on Parsons to be. But we could still utilize his explosiveness in some other capacities. Um, You know, before the year, there was so much hype over Joey Yellen coming in from Pittsburgh it was almost as if we were bringing in the starting quarterback. And so we were kind of unsure what we were going to get from him. Were we going to give Shager a shot? He by far played the best of anybody in the spring. Um, even a game time decision. If you recall, we, we didn't know who was going to start the, the first game. And uh, yeah, I think those numbers are, are telling of where we were at with an offense. Um, and yeah, you know, we spread the ball around a ton with, I don't have the number in front of me right now, but it, I think we had something like 13 different guys caught passes this year. Um, it might have even been more than that, but uh, it, it certainly felt like we were getting the ball to a number of different guys just weren't cracking those huge plays um, the way that we needed to, to score a little more efficiently. Caleb Phillips was humongous for us um, in, in the passing attack. Um, but again, all of that is kind of relative on, uh, a mediocre passing year for university of Hawaii. So, um, a lot to grow from and, uh, a lot, I think to change and adapt from, because we need a better vision of what our offense can be. Yeah, obviously he loses a lot of his protection up front, uh, mm-hmm. for starters, basically on the offensive line, first team, all conference, ill Manning, second team, all conference, Michael Vanterpool. Uh, Austin Hopp at right tackle, Stefan Bernal went also, who started a number of games, um, using up his eligibility. DJ Parson on his way to potentially playing some professional football. He was honorable mention Mountain West. Uh, we already talked about Caleb Phillips, who was a very reliable, I think, pass catcher in a lot of ways. Um, yep. One of the other tight ends, Kamal Borden, also graduating, um, who played a lot more than <laughs> I think I realized, uh, I expected. Uh, was a very, very reliable uh, blocking tight end for this group um, yeah. and, and helped out in that running game. Receiving pass catchers, they lose Zion Bowens. You also lose Jordan Murray, um, who, and I think things didn't work out quite like he had expected uh, and, and some had hoped in terms of just pure production. But the, the, the dude was a pro, uh, especially transitioning from tight end to more of a, a, a wide out uh, as part of that offense. There are a lot coming back in the pass catching department, Jonah Pinoke, Jalen Walthall, Kuali Nishigai, Nick Senecal, Stephen Fiso. There are some other dudes in there that kind of made appearances that, um, you know, could be back. Tamatoa Mokiao, Ati Malala, uh, back for Braden Shager. Matt Shipley is obviously back as the place kicker. You've got Tylen Hines back. You've got Jordan Johnson, uh, assuming he's back as well at running back. Offensive lines, Iligi Tanuvasa, Sergio Muasau, two guys that have started at center, are also back. One of them's probably playing guard next year. That's a nice little start to the interior. It's so, and so we'll, I don't, you know, some of the other guys out there that, that, that may be coming back as well on the offensive line that have some, some experience we'll see. Um, and so 
there are some pieces. I think if they can settle in on a core of pass catchers, I think there were just too many guys this year. Um, and part of that had to do with injury. Part of that had to do with figuring out exactly what the offense was going to look like. But I think if they can figure that out, if they can shore up the offensive line, continue to let Shager develop, it's, it's not a bad launching off spot for this group, the way the season kind of ended and how well Shager was playing um it, towards the the last two or three games and, and we'll see and you know getting a, a couple of other athletic playmakers definitely won't hurt yeah um way too early hot take um i think nick Martiner is gonna come back i think he's actually gonna return to university oh, of Hawaii. okay well that would excite out. a lot of people yeah i think he um a along with, you know, a handful of others loved playing in that uh, run and shoot off under Rolo and only one year over at uh, Cincinnati with years still to play. I think he's actually going to return to University of Hawaii. He's got connections to the program right now um, outside of just football. And uh, again, that, that's a hot take. I don't know that for a fact, but I just feel like that's a gap that he fills right away being a, a big outside deep threat for us. Um, Nick, if you're listening, come on back, baby. We'd love to have you. We shall see more uh, of the recruiting talk as we move throughout this episode. Uh, halftime break coming up. You're listening to Hawaii football. Now. This is Hawaii football. Now from ESPN Honolulu. All right, second half time here on episode 69. Again, big mahalo to our sponsor, Spectrum Mobile, Battery Bill, and Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union. All right, Hunter, let's get into this because there was um, quite a bit of buzz leading up to signing day for a variety of reasons. One of those including perhaps some big fish out there maybe making their way to Hawaii. I don't know if that necessarily came to fruition today, but I'm not trying to downplay any of the what 26 how, how many guys signed today for the university of what i mean it was a ton of dudes i think it ended up being 26 in total 17 yeah. on the defensive side of the ball i think you know and, and you know as we go throughout the offseason we can talk a little bit about this right we we, we saw a few local commits who had early on verbal to hawaii renege uh go elsewhere within conference mason Mual goes to colorado state just Santi mateo goes um to Nevada, I believe it is. Um, but there were some other guys who end up staying home that I think are, are worthy of note that, that we'll, we'll talk about here a little bit later. But we 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 mentioned kind of in our season recaps, right? Um, defensive line, they, they, they had to bulk up the defensive line. Uh, yeah. Offensive line, you lose four or five starters, basically. You need to prioritize that position as well. And then you talk about playmakers, right? Getting a little bit deeper, maybe a, a little higher quality in the secondary maybe a little bit uh, in the, the skill position on offense as well. Um, felt pretty good about Braden Shager coming back. Felt pretty good about what Tylen Hines can bring you uh, as, a, as a running back. Felt pretty good about maybe the safety position as well, with a lot of the youth there. Um, and I would say, as you look at it, uh, and I know the breakdown is pretty extensive because as we mentioned, 26 guys and and that we, we anticipated that with all the roster turnover last year that's going to kind of leak into this year uh or this off season i should say as you got you know some guys kind of coming in on on one-year situations and and guys matriculating 
on out of the program as well. 17 of the 26 signees on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, you've had eight on the defensive line. So check that box. Four on the offensive line. That also mm-hmm. kind of checks that box. Five offensive skill positions, six defensive backs, including um, some some FBS transfers there, three linebackers as well. It is a giant mix from from high school freshmen or high school seniors coming in as as first year guys. You've got junior college guys. You've got four year transfer guys. You've got international players. You've got gray shirt guys. Like it, it's it's the full spectrum. Um, Absolutely. And again, this is the early period. Like there, there's another sort of signing day coming right and i'd imagine the the job is not done yet uh you had a chance hunter and i know that uh you got uh, to go a little deeper on this than i did in kind of the crazy last couple of days that i had um what stands out to you and and maybe some guys you you, you that jumped out at you or whatever um but your your early takeaways to to really the first significant day of the timmy chang era in terms of recruiting uh, considering how late he got the job last year. Yeah, no, th- this is oftentimes the most uh, critical uh, recruiting class for a head coach. It's their first one under their belt to show what they're capable of as a recruiter. Um, college football, that's way more of a priority than in the NFL because in the NFL, you just, you pay guys. Um, th- this has everything to do with the, the type of marketing, uh, the story that you sell to your guys, uh, and then your ability to use them um, as pieces in the puzzle that you're ultimately trying to create. And, you know, we've mentioned it several weeks in the past, the, the three position groups that I really wanted to see the most growth with, um, um, w- with recruits was defensive line, offensive line, and receivers. Um, it was interesting to see how much effort was put on the defensive side of the football. Um, I, I felt like, um, at least from our, our linebacker core, we were kind of set up there. But it just shows um, kind of um, an emphasis on the long haul. I would say a lot of guys coming from high school that they're wanting to develop, wanting to um, uh, just use over uh, a four-year career here at University of Hawaii. The first thing has to be said, we talked about this earlier in the year, with the strategic nature of bringing coach Chris Brown to the University of Hawaii is that Bishop Gorman pipeline. We got three signees all on the defensive side of the football. Um, I believe it was two linebackers, one inside linebacker, an outside linebacker, and then a DB. It just shows the pull that someone like coach Chris Brown has at the, his previous coaching job and these guys wanting to come play for that guy. Um, I don't know if that's so much wanting to play for him or learn how he gets so big in the weight room, Jordan, but I think it helps. Um, I think that's just part of part of the nature with playing with coach Chris is uh, getting to see what that guy does in the weight room. Cause uh, that's gotta be part of the recruiting pitch. Um, but uh, you know, I, I digress for a second. The, uh, the other guy that I really wanted to uh, pay attention to also on the defensive side of the football is college of San Mateo CSM defensive back, Justin Sinclair. And um, he's kind of like a new Corey Bethley um, from the film that I was watching. Uh, they, they used him as a safety, but then also kind of down as like a nickel linebacker. Had a bunch of turnovers at CSM. And uh, CSM just won the JUCO National Championship. Um, they, they're a prolific junior college and kind of 
that school that gets people prepared to jump up to division one status. So I think he's a guy that we can look um, at this, this very next year in ready to play and make an impact for us. Um, uh, and then obviously the wide receiver position, um, we brought in a guy, uh, Stephen McBride, who's a transfer from Kansas. You, you mentioned we had a handful of FBS uh, uh, transfer portal guys. Uh, he's one of those. Uh, we brought in Eddie Osei Nekitiane, I believe. We're going to have to practice that name a little bit. But he is the track and field 100-meter champion from New Zealand. You mentioned kind of a smorgasbord of where these guys have come from. Um, from my count, we've got a recruit from New Zealand, a recruit from England, as well as we've got a guy from America, Samoa, as well. So that, that's always helps to get one of those guys in there as well. Um, a local boy, uh, talented, they, they list him as an athlete, is Liatama uh, Uiliata from Waipahu. Yeah, dude's um, a stud. He's a stud. He, he's going to be one of those kind of kick returner specialty Chad Owens in the making kind of guys for us. That's kind of my um, my scouting report on a guy like that. And then the other obvious big win from local recruits is Punahou QB, John Kiave Sagapulatele, choosing to stay home, honoring his verbal commitment. Um, anytime you have one of the premier quarterbacks from Hawaii choosing to stay home, that's a big deal, Jordan. Yeah, it really is. Uh, and, and I'm with you. I think, you know, the, the, they've got to recruit Australia, Polynesia well, right. And, and, and that's got to be sort of a, um, a stronghold for the university of Hawaii, as much as we would love them to, to do that in Hawaii as well. And yeah, I'm wildly intrigued by Eddie Osei Kitia. Um, you know, they list him from Canberra, Australia. I believe he's got a rugby background, has never really played football. He's nope. from New Zealand. Uh, I believe he is the New Zealand record holder in the 100 meters. Like he the does. dude ran a 10.08 or something like that. Um, and he's he's 6'5", 210 pounds. And I, I I think he's a little older, right? I, and again, I we've got we've to do a little more homework on some of these guys. It, it's a, it's a, it was kind of funny because his commitment came across yesterday, Hawaii time. And I was like, wait, what's, I saw Hawaii put out the the little blurb, right? And it's like, wait, what's going on? Like, am I missing yeah. something? Like, what day is it, right? With the storm and everything. But of course it was Wednesday in Australia. And so it it all worked out. And then you also had um, Penning, uh, Pelling, excuse me, Freddie Pelling, who came from England across last night because he was in England. <laughs> um, yeah. And he's a guy who, Went to Garden City Community College, right, in Kansas. Uh, there are some ties there. Keiki Misipeka has got a lot of junior college ties as well from his time. Uh, now the running backs coach at six, UH. Eight. Uh, dude, six eight three oh five, <laughs> And uh, came through like that NFL Academy sort of pipeline. Like so interesting where they've gotten some of these guys from. Uh, and then as you mentioned, you know, the, the portal, how important that's going to be. Cam Stone's another one. Yes. Uh, the the DB from Wyoming. Wyoming. You'll remember he had a pretty darn good game when Hawaii played them earlier this year. Huge get, in my opinion. Um, yep. and and I I really almost more than anybody on this staff trust Abe El Mimian and his recruiting. Uh, and if and if he's going at guys, um, whether whether he knows talent or he knows moldable talent, 
because he's a guy who I think consistently develops. Um, and I, I feel pretty good about guys like Stone, the 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 Juco guy that you mentioned. Um, I think obviously it's huge, right, with, with Chris Brown and his <clears throat> Gorman connection. The fact that all three of those guys kept their commitment early in the season they committed, right, early on. Uh, and then you've guys that got basically guys at every level of that defense that are coming in from Gorman. That's huge. Gorman, by the way, finished second or fourth, I think top five, they're top five yep. nationally this mm-hmm. year, once again, uh, which I think is their best finish in a few years uh, for a program that's, you know, used to winning mythical national championships. And then also in the portal, getting the, I hate to call them bounce back guys, but the guys coming home, right? Kual Pehopa is one of them. Uh, we talked about him last week on the pod. Uh, the He had kind of put it out there, but he's a big dude on that defensive line. The Kamehameha graduate, 6'3", 307. Um, the other local boy coming home via the portal from the Pac-12, uh, Patrick Isatake, another defensive from line from Cal, right, uh, who who finished his high school career on the mainland, but he's a Hawaii guy. He's an Oahu guy, uh, 6'5", 240 or so. And so that that is huge, being able to get those guys as well. And then local recruits, as you mentioned, John Kiavis, Sangapolotele, who, who maintained his commitment after re, uh, committing early in the season. But then you've got some of these others. You, you talk about uh, Tamo Uiliata. That guy, to me, hands down, the most dynamic offensive player in the state this year. Kai Kai Carvalho was hurt most of the season. The yep. Kahuku kid who's going to Utah. Um, I think a lot of people would say, like, hey, hey, don't forget about Kai Kai. And I get it. But he was hurt most of the season. And so Uiliata just really impressed this season, broke out onto the scene. He was ridiculous throwing the ball catching the ball running the ball and i think that is a massive get for the university of hawaii uh the dude's just a playmaker oh by the way he was also a really good defensive back as well and i think he had like over a handful of picks this season but i I believe they project him on the offensive side of the football they list him as a wide receiver on the recruiting press release that they put out there uh but he's a guy that they are able to to keep home um the young man from from campbell as well uh the offensive lineman mongoleo uh, is another big get Isaac Mongoleo from from Campbell High School six seven three twenty. Uh, that's a big dude, right? That the, the they're keeping home on the offensive line. Then you had some of the others that had committed earlier as well in Ha'ahel De La Cruz. Uh, you got Makana Meyer who was a a gray shirt this past year. Uh, I believe a twenty twenty two Milani graduate. Uh, rangy defensive back. Um, you got Domata Peco's son, as as you pointed out. Uh, the Samoan connection and, and that again we, we're not going to be able to get to everybody here because there's 26 of them and and we plan yeah. to, to really dive into it next week but man it's 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 an exciting group I, I think it's, it's a group you can really get excited about uh and again I I I, I didn't even mention half of these dudes um and, and we'll get into it a bit uh there's some other transfers in there there's some Juco guys like this and I know Abe. Speaking of Abe, I, I saw him tweet out a little bit earlier tonight, uh, earlier this evening. It wasn't very late, um, saying like this is this is as good as Hawaii's done, uh, and he's been around for a while. And I know everybody's going to say the cliches, right? Hey, they signed here for the right reasons. Uh, they they're, they're buying into the culture and and all that. And and look, that's that's going to be said. But I I do agree, and I'm not saying Abe's wrong in mentioning those things because look, that's that's the, a lot of what we're selling here. It ain't, it ain't the facilities. Um, and, and some of the other, you know, bells and whistles that come with this recruiting pitch. It, it it does seem, and maybe it's just the sheer size of the class. Maybe it's getting some of these local kids, whatever it is. But it does instant reaction for me. 
it's a positive. There, there's a positive here. And we'll get into some of the ranking breaks down and, and breakdowns and all that stuff when you compare it to the rest of the conference in, in the coming weeks. But just initial reaction is like, hey, this 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 is pretty good. You know, they lost yeah. some guys that had committed earlier. No, no that, that 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 kind of comes with it. But man, I'm I'm pretty excited. They they covered a lot of their bases and covered a lot of the needs. Yeah. Uh, and now the, the key is getting these guys ready to go for next season. But but I I'm 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 pretty I'm pretty pretty stoked about it. Yeah, and I I think it's again worth noting how significant getting three Division One guys from the same defensive team from Bishop Gorman, who's definitely a top ten. I'm not sure if they're a top five or not. I don't have that number in front of us in terms of um, high school rank this last year to commit together to come play college ball together for their former coach. That, that that's the the beauty of guys wanting to stay united and and go play somewhere together you, you see just this past year the success that arizona was able to produce with um uh the the, the former quarterback from st louis i'm blanking on his name right now oh yeah but, um, um, Jaden delora thank you Jaden delora how many local guys want to go up and play with him in arizona that the, there there's a narrative that, that that can kind of be built around Hey, they got some success brewing up there. Let's build pieces together. Again, this is a totally different conversation, but the Fab Five, whenever they came together, they referenced wanting to play with each other so that they could build something effectively. I think we're seeing a little bit of that at play right here with these guys all coming to play from Bishop Gorman. And you mentioned earlier, a few guys coming from international um, locations, um, our guy from New Zealand, maybe not having experience playing uh, football in the past. Neither did uh, Scott Harding, my teammate, came from yeah. um, Australia, was an Aussie rules uh, um, rugby guy and an unbelievable athlete. He played three different positions for us. So, uh, you know, athletes can be found anywhere. It's, uh, it's kind of like that Ratatouille quote, a great chef can come from anyone. <laughs> um, I, I feel like football is a simple enough game that if you're an athlete, you can catch a ball, you can run. This guy can absolutely run. And I bet he can lower his shoulder and run through some people too, if we needed him to. So um, yeah, hats off to these guys. You can, sh you, it's evident how much work that has gone into this with the, yeah. the palette of where these guys have come from. I mean, these coaches are the right guys for the job. It, it, it's so evident to me. Yeah. You, uh, that's a great point. The, the, just the sheer work that goes into signing 26 guys like that. That's a, that's a big load. Um, yeah, man, I've already talked myself into uh, Eddie Ose Katia. 210, and he runs a 1008. Oh, Get man. him the rock. Oh, man. Look, I, I don't know if he can catch. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if, I, I, again, I think he's got a rugby background. So that's that's very encouraging. It's not like he's some track dude who's never been hidden in his life. Um, but Megatron man. from Down Under. But boy, yeah. You know, a little more, a little older, a little more mature. He's been through, you know, he's got, he's got a little professional experience, whether it's track or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Scott Harding. I, I like that, man. Yeah. It's uh, um, I don't know if he's going to be any good, but boy, he's exciting. He's exciting to talk about, right? What the heck? We'll talk ourselves into it at this point. Uh, any final thoughts on this before we kind of wrap? And then um, we will we, we, we'll definitely spend a lot more time on this in the coming weeks. Yeah. I, you know, we, we mentioned it a little bit beforehand, uh, just the wildness and the craziness of the transfer portal. Uh, I discovered this thing, Jordan called um, crystal balling. Have you heard of this? <laughs> um, 
Um, I mean, yeah, I, I have, you know, kind of just, I, I'm not a huge recruiting guy. Like I don't, I don't follow it, um, nearly as much as some others, uh, sure. Tanner Hayworth who, who works with us at ESPN. Oh, yeah. He's a guy who pay, pays a bit more of attention to it. He's a hound. Um, yeah, he's, he's locked in, man. So I, I usually kind of defer to him and, and, uh, good follow on Twitter, by the way, if you want to follow Tanner. Um, but yeah, I mean, it ba- basically it's, it, it deals with projections, right. And predictions of, of where guys, which is always kind of wild to me that there are like these adults oh. that are like, Oh yeah, this guy's, uh, this guy's going here, even though he hasn't announced anything. Uh, and we're 72% confident. Like what? They got a plug in the family or something. Yeah. yeah. Like he knows his uncle, you know, who, who goes to mass with on Sundays or something, or it's like auntie who works, uh, works with the mom at the bank or whatever. Like, how does, oh, how does this work? How does this yeah, work? I, so, so the crystal balling thing is just basically you're looking into the crystal ball to make a prediction, right? Gotcha. Yeah. I, I until last night I had no idea this thing even existed until I got a a direct message from Cole McDonald, our our former quarterback, telling me that DJ Uglele from Clemson had been crystal balled to come to Hawaii, and so immediately I see him in our lettering in green, and I'm freaking out. And it's from Cole. Like, I'm, I'm like, what in the world is happening? Are you kidding me? We're getting a guy from Clemson. And then I read a little bit more. It says crystal balling. I'm like, oh, man, I've been duped. I'm on the onion right now. Um, <laughs> and I'm just getting fried and <laughs> taking L's left and right. But, um, yeah, I, for, for those out there, if you're seeing crystal ball things, they're predictions. That's all they are. They're not fact. They are pure fiction. <laughs> um. But I will say this, with everything, with the craziness of the transfer portal, we are one winning season away from getting someone like that, a bounce back to, to get quality film before they make an attempt to go up to the NFL. We saw it with Max Wittick. Wittick jumped down from USC. He was the starter at USC. Took my spot on the roster, by the way. I'd like to add that. But <laughs> took me off the roster and started for Hawaii the very next fall. So we get the opportunity with guys like that with a quality coaching staff check. We have a winning season. That's just the last checkbox to grab before we put a really amazing team together and start to build a lot of momentum towards the future. It's we have the potential with this thing um, brewing right now in the transfer portal. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing, right. And yeah, I, I, that this was all the buzz yesterday and I got texts about it and I was texting to folks and be like, Hey, is there anything to this? Yeah. Nobody knows. Nobody seemed to be able to confirm or deny. And uh, most people obviously were sort of airing on like, look, this is, this has got to be far fetched. Right. Um, but there's, there's, it, it was the buzz. There were people nationally talking about the university of Hawaii, which is always a good thing. Uh, awesome. And as far as I can tell, DJ, we has not yet signed as of uh, Wednesday evening. So uh, Hey, 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 it's still possible. Again, he, by the time this gets released, he'll probably have picked a place. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. His brother, Mateo, which was also part of the big conversation, like, hey, his brother is a freshman coming out or a high school senior coming out, uh, highly regarded defensive end. Word was the dad wanted to be a package deal. You know, Tom, hey, we'll, we'll take them both. Hey, absolutely. Uh, his brother signed with Oregon earlier today. Um, Bo Nix is coming back. Saying, it doesn't seem exactly. like there's a spot for DJ at Oregon. But I, you know, and and this is no shade to Braden Shager. Uh, Timmy Chang was sort of asked about it in the media availability earlier this afternoon. 
Uh, and he said, hey, they'd really love their quarterback room. Things are sewed up there. The only quarterback that they brought in, obviously, will be a uh, a, a high school guy in John Chiave Sangapolutele. So, I mean, it's they're saying all the right things. And I, I'm, I'd am i be very okay if Braden Shager was the guy going forward. But if you've got a chance to add a, a former five-star <laughs> in DJ Uangalele, like, you're, you're, that's, you bring him in, right, and, and figure everything else later. Um, I don't think it's happening. I don't, I don't think there's much to it. Um, it got people buzzing. And again, the, 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 the big positive out of it is people outside of Hawaii were talking about it. National people were talking about the University of Hawaii in a positive light. And that's, that's good publicity. That is good publicity and marketing for the program. Even if DJ never even thought about the University of Hawaii. Uh, it, it's good there. So yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, crystal balls can be real murky. They can be real clear. I'm going to go with this one's a little, a little murky. You're probably right. And, you know, I'd, I'd like to comment on what you just mentioned about what coach Timmy Chang talked about the QB room, as well as only signing four receivers. I take that as um, an indication that we're wanting to use the guys that we already have. People would say, okay, that's obvious, but what may not be obvious is what they've already started to build in these guys towards the future of a potential shift to the mm-hmm. run and shoot. You need that significant time with these coaching staff, with um, the, the shift of the scheme over to teach these guys how to play football in a different capacity. So I see that as um, a shift that these coaches are wanting to make towards a new offensive scheme. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's a good uh connection there i think the the connecting those dots is is fair to do uh in that situation so yeah there's a whole lot more to talk about again we we didn't even get to name all 26 guys that away signed today um we, we'll we'll dive much more into that next week uh that'll kind of wrap things up for us on this pod we've kind of piecemeal put this thing together uh we'll be back on a little bit more of a regular schedule next week we promise we will be getting to a lot of your comments topic suggestions and everything as we go throughout next month as well as we kind of you know we're already almost into january and the new year um just a little quick overtime reminder or maybe not a reminder a little overtime heads up we've got uh, zion bowens on next week's episode as well that that, that that's going to be a lot of fun for us as he uh is now sort of making the transition into training in the offseason trying to give professional football a shot uh and, and going to be fun to talk to him so wanted to put that out there for everybody next week as well um Merry Christmas, happy holidays, however you and your family celebrate uh, this time of the year. Uh, we we wish you guys all the best. Uh, our listeners have been nothing but supportive and and uh, our uh, sincere gratitude to all of you guys and uh, sincere well wishes as well as uh, I'll include uh, Hunter and Jared into that. So thank you guys. Uh, uh, and um, I hope uh, Santa's kind to you guys. Yeah, you guys too. Uh, shout out again to Jaron for piecing this together. This Absolutely. is a, uh, a multi-week segment right here. Uh, if you're enjoying this, this was only made possible by our guy. Appreciate you, bro. Thank you. Jaron's the man. Absolutely. Uh, one of these days we'll put his face up on. He's got a great headshot. Maybe we can include that at the very least. Well, we play finally, for. finally work up to um, uh, getting him out here and, uh, you know, maybe putting his, his, uh, his opinion on the show a little bit as well. All right, that'll do it for us here. Uh, again, have a great weekend, everybody. Um, penultimate episode of the year uh, for us uh, before we head into the new year. Episode 69, as always, brought to you by Spectrum Mobile, Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union, and Battery Bill. We'll catch you next time right here on Hawaii Football Now. Hello, everybody.